Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Hey, man. Good morning, church. So thankful uh, for the cross of Christ. I'm reminded as I reflect on the song we just sang and what a, what a wonderful, uh, just beautiful worship set and uh, just declaration of, of really what uh, today is, is uh, about as we celebrate baptism, as we partake in the Lord's Supper. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 21, the scripture says, uh, he, uh, referring to Jesus, said that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And it is uh, the work of the cross, it is finished, and it is because of the work of the cross that we have been saved, uh, that we can be forgiven, uh, and that we can walk in newness of life. So grateful for you being here. Uh, If you're a guest with us this morning, uh, we welcome you. We're so grateful that you've uh, taken time to be with us. You'll find some uh, connect cards throughout the, the backs of some of the Uh, seats along the way, and we'd love to connect with you when you're ready to connect with us. You can uh, fill one of those out, and you can drop that. Uh, There's an an offering box as you uh, exit, and you'll see that uh, there. You can drop it in there, or you can give that to, uh, preferably to one of our uh, host team, and we'd love just to connect with you, get you a free gift, uh, just to let you know of our appreciation for you, and we'll send you something as well uh, that will be a great help, I believe, in uh, your continued study of the scriptures. And so we're uh, just encouraged uh, by your presence today. Uh, before we really jump in the word of God, I just want to uh, let you know of something exciting, something I'm very excited about that we've been working on uh, here over the last few months. Uh, as we have reflected really over the past couple of years, we've been looking in our culture and into uh, our community and really just uh, considering ways that God uh, may have uniquely Uh, gifted and and stirred uh, us to be able to engage uh, in uh, the midst of our community, in the midst of this world, and and just to really uh, meet needs that are around. And so uh, we've been looking at that and and really just identify this great need uh, to just come alongside uh, boys and their fathers and also uh, boys without fathers, and just to really lift up this call of what it looks like to be uh, a man, what it looks like to walk in uh, just the ways that God would call us to uh, in that. Uh, we desire to, to come alongside and just uh, see a, a mentoring relationship, really just to see a, a generation of young uh, boys grow up and be empowered to be uh, really just godly men that can lead, serve, and be a force for good for their families and communities and around the world. Uh, we're, we're seeing in our culture right now, a fatherless generation that's raising uh, children and, and really just seeing the impact of that. Uh, we see a, a young generation that's growing up and the statistics are, uh, there's so many statistics that we could share, but one of the things that I thought was interesting that one in four boys are raised by a single mom. Uh, 76% of teachers that are, uh, that are engaging with our students are female. Uh, there's really been, seems like this lack of of this call for, for just godly men to be who God's called them to be in, uh, in our community and to pour into the next generation. We're finding uh, that boys are ungrounded. Uh, here's some interesting statistics. There, when we look around, there's these eroding, uh, eroding generational values and 58% of Americans, catch, catch this statistic, 58% of Americans no longer believe that God and the Bible are the means for determining morality and truth. And so we're finding, we're finding a generation grow up 
without a, a sense of morality or a compass that is guiding them uh, in uh, the truth. Uh, we're finding uh, just this timing and this, this world where, where boys are, are not really appreciated. There's not this, uh, there, there's this uh, kind of gender blurring that, that is going on that really doesn't allow for just these God-given differences between boys and girls and then for them to thrive uh, in that. Uh, we're seeing boys that are really uninspired. And, and what we find is that boys lose interest when there's nothing at stake and they're growing up in an everybody gets a trophy generation where there's just kind of participation trophies and uh, you know, there's really just this, this call uh, to, to come alongside in a different way. And so this summer, uh, we're going to be launching uh, what's called Trail Life here uh, and, and first, really just inside our church. We're going to pilot this uh, over the summer. And on May the 7th, uh, Mr. Tom is going to have an interest meeting and a, a really just a vision meeting. So if, you're, you know, if some of that resonates with you uh, and you say, you know what, I want to I pour my life into a, a seeing a generation of, of young boys grow up to be the godly men that, that, uh, that they're called to be, and you want to be involved in that. Maybe you've got uh, young boys, and you want to be involved in that, and you're a dad. We want to come alongside that. Maybe you're a single mom, and you say, you know what? This is exciting. I want to see that uh, just uh, leadership role uh, alongside of, of your family. Uh, whatever those kind of things are, uh, again, on May the 7th in the Hub following service, there'll be some more information about that. And then we hope to uh, launch that into our community uh, in uh, August as school starts back in that time of year. And so uh, be praying for that. Here's a little video that just uh, points a little bit to some of what Trail Life is. Boys and young men need a call to something greater than themselves. This is the Trail Life. Trail Life USA. And so feel free to, to traillifeusa.com. You can learn some more about that. You'll see in the app, you'll see a, uh, a blog post in there that shares a little bit more of our vision in regards to that. Uh, but be praying uh, about that and about how you may, uh, your family or maybe you may be involved uh, in that. Uh, so this morning we're going to be uh, really leaning into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, so you can take your copy of God's Word and turn there. Uh, what a blessing it has been over these past few weeks to uh, see so many walking in obedience, uh, being baptized as believers and being uh, obedient to the command of Christ, following the example of Christ. It's been a, a joy, and we're just excited that those things just continue uh, to happen. As Pastor Ron shared, uh, you'll see this on the screen if you're following along in the app. Uh, we, we put some definitions, kind of a little summary, things together. Baptism is an act of faith that follows personal surrender to Jesus as Savior and Lord. It is the believer's first step of obedience in a public declaration that results in a powerful celebration in the family of God. And, and baptism is one of two ordinances that have been given to the church. The other is the Lord's Supper, and today we're going to take uh, the Lord's Supper together. Uh, you'll see this on the screen, but the Lord's Supper is an ordinance given to the church to partake of regularly with deep reverence as we remember, reflect, and rejoice, proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Now, when you hear those words, ordinance, we hear uh, the word ordinance or sacrament, or we hear some of those kind of things, you hear the word ordinance. I will not touch that wire any longer. We hear the word ordinance, and some of us hear that word, 
And maybe you're like me, and I didn't really grow up with all these churchy words and all these kind of things. And, and really, when I would come into a church service uh, for many uh, years of my life, I would see uh, the Lord's table set up, and I would think, oh, man, that means it's going to be a long service. Or I would, right? Some of y'all may resonate with some of that, right? But, but, but when I experienced really and, and, and began to understand the grace of God and what this represented in the way that we are to approach the table of the Lord, everything changed. And so we, we recognize uh, this word ordinance. If you just want a quick definition of this, it's, it's a word that is a prescribed practice. So this is something that uh, we would see has been given to us by God. God has told us to do this together uh, as the church, not just individually. Now, there's exceptions where we may go out and some of our deacons may go out and serve communion to some of our homebound and some of those that can't come together. But the intention of this is that we would gather together. It would not be something that we would do uh, alone. I saw this little video uh, a season back of a young boy uh, at his baptism. I'll share this uh, just briefly. But morning, uh, who have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord and he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. <laughs> and so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hello, guys, going in, right? Oh, I'm going to say some of y'all that responded at the end of service last week, I think if I'd waited much longer, y'all would have went in like that. But um, I love that video, right? He was taking care of it by himself, right? We, but this isn't something like you don't leave here today and say, hey, I'm going to go home and just kind of dip in my bathtub by myself. When we think about uh, these ordinances that are given, they're given uh, to the church and they're, they're determined by three factors. So the first thing that we would see is that these ordinances are instituted by Christ. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that these ordinances, that they're taught by the apostles and they are practiced by the early church. And so we see those two things in baptism and communion. And they give us this beautiful picture of the gospel where we come together and we reflect and we celebrate and worship Christ. And we, there's acts of worship when we come together where we celebrate what Christ has done, the all-sufficient merit of the cross, uh, the righteousness that's been given to us that is not earned and is not our own. And so we're going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And when we think about this passage of Scripture, when we uh, look, most conservative scholars would agree that 1 Corinthians was written uh, before any of the other Gospels. And so with that in mind, this is really the first account. This is the first biblical record of the institution of the Lord's Supper, and it's going to give us information. It's going to quote uh, directly from Jesus, and it's going to give us instruction for the church. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth, he wrote this letter to them, and they were, they were struggling, right? They were, they were struggling as a church in so many different ways, and there's so much of this letter uh, that is written, that is giving correction, uh, that is giving them instruction in those ways. And when Paul wrote this letter, some of those that would be hearing these words, they may not have understood the historical setting of the Lord's Supper. They may not have understood where all of these things uh, had come from. And so he begins uh, to give them this instruction. And in the beginning in verse 23, the scripture says this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the, night, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed 
took bread. And so in this, this first verse that we've read, we see this important information that this was on the eve of the death of Jesus, right? This was on the night that he was betrayed. And on the eve of his death, we see Jesus, he, he institutes this memorial meal, this gift for his disciples and for us. He institutes this, uh, this communion meal that we will take play, part of today. Now, I want you to lean in just a moment and, and take yourself to that moment, the eve of the death of Christ. And Jesus has gathered with those 12 that he loves so much. And he has spent uh, this season of time. We know that Jesus began his earthly ministry uh, with his baptism. And so there's been this, uh, this time, these three years that he's been walking with these men. He's been equipping them for the time that he uh, would go. And he's going to empower them with the gift of his Holy Spirit to continue on in the mission that he has for his church. And he gathers them Together And in those moments, he gives them this beautiful picture, this message, this, this, uh, this ordinance that we would take place in from, for generations to come. Now, you know, we see these moments and the scripture would tell us that on the night in which he was betrayed, that the Lord Jesus took bread. Now, we're going to pass out these individual um, packets that have uh, the bread and the fruit of the vine in those, and we're going to distribute those. But in those moments, I want you to picture this shared loaf that Jesus would break. And there's this picture of the unity that we should experience around this table. And Jesus would, would break this loaf, and he would give them this instruction. He would take this bread on the night that he was betrayed, and he would say this when he had given thanks. And we wonder, I would love to have heard the words of Christ in the prayer that he prayed in those moments and his, uh, as he prayed and gave thanks. But the scripture says that when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when we see this picture of this bread and Jesus said, this is my body. This gives us a picture of the doctrine of the incarnation that Jesus stepped out from the very glories of heaven and that he took on flesh and dwelt among us. He said, this is my body. Now, those disciples that were gathered in those moments, uh, you know, I've, I've got a picture on my phone of my wife. And when I pick up my phone, I see her beautiful smiling face. And uh, it, it's just a joy to me to see that, right? And so when I turn my phone around and I say, this is my wife, this is my wife. Y'all think I'm crazy, right? Um, but, and, and, then you're, and then you're picturing like, this is my wife. And so when I go to bed, I lay down beside her. And, I, and sometimes I actually fall asleep with my phone. So um, that's kind of funny. But, but we think about that. This is my wife. But we know that this is a picture of my wife, that my wife is sitting over in, uh, to my right. But what we understand in these moments, she said, this is my Body. Now, the disciples that were gathered there, uh, they didn't think in that moment that that was Jesus, right? But they recognized this picture that he was demonstrating. They're going to understand that all too well. And Jesus used other uh, words that would describe him that would give them pictures. He would say in one place that I am the door. Or we would read Jesus say, I am the vine. We would see those pictures that Jesus would give. And in this place, he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in 
remembrance of me. And so Jesus gives them this, this beautiful memorial meal that they would take place in and, and take place in together. And I can imagine, I mean, think about the first time following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Think about the first time that those disciples would have gathered together following the resurrection. Maybe it's on uh, that Sunday, maybe it's that, that Sunday evening, they gather together and one of the disciples just pulls out this loaf. And as he would break it, all of a sudden the meaning of this meal was, was so vivid to them in those moments and one of the disciples would break this loaf and say, Jesus said this is his body which has been given for, for us. And they would eat. And continually we would see that there's this call for the church to participate in this regularly, right? This one loaf picture that's shared among the believers. And today as we partake in the Lord's Supper, we come and we partake as a group of people who have been formed into one people, informed into one community, right? We take the Lord's Supper as a people that have been formed into one community by the Lord of the Supper. We come in unity around this table. We are united in Christ. And in this world, there's a world that's looking for unity. There's a world that's looking for that, and it's only found in Christ, and it's only found at the foot of the cross. The, the, the ground is level, as it's been said so many times, at the foot of the cross, what we come to this table recognizing is that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, that we all uh, at the foot of the cross recognize right, that we are, are in a mess right, and that we are in need of a Savior. And when we recognize those things, division should disappear. Those things disappear at the table of our Lord. Now, the church at Corinth, we read in this chapter, they were coming together and they were thinking about themselves instead of the sacrifice of Christ. They were... Uh, they were in these moments where uh, there was divisions among them. And Paul even goes to the point that says, what you're doing is not even the Lord's Supper. And he said, when you're coming together, he said, you're not coming together for the better, but for the worst, because there are divisions among you. And the rich are being treated one way, and the slaves are being treated a different way. And the way that you are doing this is not reflective of what God has desired. And he reminds them of the words of Christ. He reminds them that they are to do this in remembrance of Jesus. Verse 26 he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, this memorial meal, it is for believers. It is for believers that we gather those who through the blood of Christ have received uh, forgiveness of sin and they've been restored in relationship uh, with the Father. And they come, we come as believers around this table. We come together together. We would see in the scriptures that we're to come together reverently. As we read this passage in 1 Corinthians, uh, there's this, this call that we would come together in a way uh, that is worthy. We'll see that here in just a few minutes. We're to come together uh, reverently. We're also to come together regularly. Now, there's not a mandate that we find in scripture that would give us this exact 
uh, timing that we are to come together. We would read, uh, and there would be people that would argue from Acts 20, verse 7, that, uh, that on the first day uh, of the week in Acts 27, when we were gathered together to break bread, is how the Scripture works. And so there's this picture that on the first day of the week, it appears that this church would gather and that weekly uh, they would break uh, bread, that they would take communion together. We would read in Acts 2 of the early church, and we would see uh, this beautiful picture of baptism that we read uh, last week, and then we would find uh, in, in verse 42 of Acts 2, we would find that they were gathering together, uh, being devoted uh, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the word of God, to prayer, uh, to, to the breaking of bread. We would see uh, this picture. And so uh, most scholars would say that the breaking of bread that is referred to there is referring to the Lord's Supper. And so we know that there's a mandate that we should do this regularly, uh, but there's not this this. Uh, prescribed place that says if you don't do it this often that you're, you're missing it, but, but we're to do that regularly. We're to do that in a way uh, that is reverent. We're to do that as we examine ourselves. And so we see uh, not only do we do that reverently, not only do we do that regularly, but believers that take the Lord's Supper, there's a way that we're to do that. And there's things that we should see. The first thing we do is we remember we remember what Christ has done. We, we look back and remember the, the all-sufficient work of Christ on the cross. We, we reflect on his body that was broken for us. We reflect on the shed blood of Christ. The scripture would say that without the shedding of blood that there is no remission of sin. We would remember, we would look back. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Not only do we remember, we also reflect. Look at verse 27 and 28. Scripture says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So we remember and we also reflect. We, we look back and we look to the cross, but we look within and we reflect we examine our, our heart, right, this posture that we would approach the table of the Lord. And what I don't want you to hear today, right, when, when he says whoever drinks, uh, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Now, we're not, we're not saying that whoever comes to this table that is unworthy because here's the reality. Every one of us is unworthy in anything that is our own to come to this table. What the scripture says is that we are, we're not to come to this table in an unworthy manner manner, right? That there's a posture that we approach the Lord's table. We don't come with this holier than thou thought that, uh, that somehow we have earned a, a, a righteousness before God. We come examining our hearts and what we find is that we are great sinners that have been changed by the grace of God, that we've been changed by our great Savior and we come being reminded of that. We come not uh, as worthy people, but we come in a worthy manner. We come and we're looking at the cross and we're reminding that it is only through the shed blood of Jesus and through the finished work of the cross that we have been given righteousness that allows us to come to this table. We come only because of the finished work of Christ, but we come in a worthy manner. Listen, we come reflecting on our own lives. We don't want to have unconfessed sin in our life. This is a time that we look within and we recognize, hey, these are we, we've struggled in, in this past week, in these past months. We recognize that, that we are sinful, right? That we uh, even, uh, we've, we've following Christ, but we still uh, have this flesh that we are wrestling with. And we come to the table being reminded that forgiveness and grace is given to us only through the shed blood of Christ. 
First John 1 John 1.9 would say, if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we come and we reflect. We're going to have an opportunity before we take the Lord's Supper that we might just reflect in our own lives, that we might, we might come uh, just before the Lord and, and we might confess any sin, that we might approach this table reverently. But not only do we reflect, we rejoice because what we understand is what's been accomplished in our place. We come bringing our doubts. We come bringing all of those things, right? We confess our sin. And in those moments, right, we are reminded of his grace. We're reminded of his goodness. We're reminded of his mercy. On Easter, we looked at Thomas, right? And we looked at, at this doubting Thomas that we would refer to him as. And, and Thomas would be uh, missing when Jesus would appear with the disciples. And, and when he, he appeared and, and when Jesus had uh, let them see that he had risen from the grave, right? They share that news with Thomas. And Thomas is, is weary in those moments. Thomas says, unless I see his hands, unless I see his side, unless I see his wounds, unless I touch them, he said, I will not believe, right? And Jesus is faithful and comes and reveals himself uh, to Thomas. And Thomas uh, sees those wounds. He sees the, uh, the sacrifice of Christ. He sees the risen Christ. And the Bible tells us that Thomas responds in the way that all of us should respond in, in the only way that is appropriate to the work of Christ on the cross. And he, and he looks and he reflects on all that God has done. And he, he sees his wounds and Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. Thomas responds, he says, man, I'm so unworthy that God would give himself for me. He would see his wounds and we come and we gather at the Lord's table and we gather as people that, that are so aware of our need for a righteousness that is not our own. We, we come recognizing that there is nothing good in us that would allow us uh, to be looked at as righteous. The Bible fact would say that all of our righteousness is his filthy rags in his sight. We come and we look at, at, the, at the bread and we look at the juice and we're reminded of the body and blood of Jesus and we are reminded of his holiness and his, his majesty and his greatness and we're reminded of our sin and then we are reminded of his wounds and we look like Thomas. And we are reminded that his work is enough, that even though uh, we have sinned, even though we fall short, that when we come with this humble, reverent posture and we come seeking forgiveness and grace, that we find that and that the work of the cross is enough. We bring our doubts and we find his grace. And we come to the table in this reverent posture, proclaiming his death, the scripture says, until he comes. This is a meal that is for believers. And when we come together, we proclaim the gospel. Unbelievers that uh, if, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we take of this meal, this is something that uh, you, can, you can pass on by. This is something that you would say, you know what, I, I watch this and I'm reminded and I see uh, the gospel and, and we see that Jesus died for sinners, that he died in our place. But it is a meal for Believers, It is a meal that believers come together and we are reminded of the finished work of the cross in our place. And we proclaim the Lord's death. We, we rejoice in the gospel. We rejoice in what Christ has done in our place. And the Bible says that we proclaim his death until he comes. And there's one day where this memorial supper will will be traded for the marriage supper of the Lamb and where we will be in the presence of God for eternity, where there'll be no more suffering and there'll be no more pain and there'll be no more sin and there'll be no more sickness. And we come and we gather around this table. And we gather with hope knowing that there's coming a day where God is going to make all things new. We proclaim his death until he comes. 
And today we're going to come to the Lord's Supper table together. We're going to have an opportunity that we might look and be reminded of all that Christ has done in our place. That we might partake in the bread and remember that it was his body that was given for us. A substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, an atoning death in our place. We'll remember that it is his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. And we rejoice in what Christ has done in our place. We want to have an opportunity. I'm going to invite the band to come and we're going to worship our God together and we're going to have a, an opportunity in those moments to reflect uh, individually, to reflect and just look at our lives and say, if there's anything that's standing between me and the Lord, if there's any sin that I need to confess, if there's any, and listen, we need to, we need to be a people that when we come and gather as the body of Christ, that we don't have sin on our calendar, right? There, there's this there's this reality that we're not coming together this morning and we're saying, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship Jesus today, but I'm going to go live however I want to live the rest of the week. When I get back to my school and when I get back to my workplace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just live like the rest of the world. No, we, we come to the table recognizing that, that it was the cross of Christ, that Jesus died for our sin, that he died for my sin and for your sin. And we come confessing our sin. We come rejoicing in what has been accomplished for us. We come reflecting, looking back, thankful for the cross, and we, uh, we invite you this morning. We're, we're gonna stand together in just a moment. We're gonna worship uh, from your seat or from this altar. Uh, we wanna invite you uh, just to, to confess sin, just to prepare your heart uh, with gratitude for this time that we will partake uh, in this memorial meal uh, together. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we, through the blood of Christ, have been, uh, God, given a way, Lord, to experience forgiveness and grace. Lord, I'm thankful that as we come this morning, God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, that the work of the cross, God, if they will look to that and recognize that, God, it was their sin that Jesus died for. God, that when Jesus died on the cross, that it was for them in their place, a death that they deserved. God, if we would look to the cross and we would trust in you and believe, God, not that we've done anything, God, not that we bring anything to this table, Lord, but that we would recognize that through the finished work of the cross, that forgiveness, restoration, healing, God, is offered for all those who would believe, all those who would trust, not in our own merits, but in yours. And God, we pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you this morning, God, as, as there were those that passed from death to life last week, God, we pray that, God, in these next moments, Lord, that they would leave their sin and trust you. God, that they would repent and believe the gospel. God, if there's anyone here that has never trusted you, God, I pray that you would draw them in the power of your spirit and they would surrender their life to you. And God, for believers in this room, Lord, we, we reflect and we remember and Lord, we rejoice in all that you've done. God, we pray you'd have your will and way in every life in this room. God, that you would change us from the inside out. God, we love you. We thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand this morning in worship?